Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you guys so much for being a part. Thank you guys, uh, those of you who are joining us at home. And believe it or not, we've got some folks on the backstage patio. Thank you guys for being a part. It is our first Sunday of the year in a new year. And I love that one of our traditions here at Hilton Head Island Community Church is to celebrate, come together and to celebrate around the communion table at the beginning of each year. And we're going to be doing that today. We're going to be coming around this table as a church family and receiving these elements together as a, a church and remembering what God did by delivering us from our sins and the, the incredible sacrifice that he made um, on the cross. And today I want to talk a little bit about our communion service, and I want to talk to you about the Passover meal, which is where this comes from. Uh, I want to talk with you guys just a little bit about how incredibly meaningful each element of that Passover service is. It's called the Seder Supper. And so as we come around this table today, there's a couple things that just I want to, to remind you of. The first is, is that uh, today we're going to be taking communion together as a church family. So a little bit later in the service, Josh will instruct you to come up and to receive the elements here that are in front of me at this table. And actually, what you're going to receive looks a little bit like a snack pack. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? So uh, this is kind of the new way we're doing it post-COVID and all that kind of stuff. But um, we'll walk you through that. You'll be receiving this. But I'm going to ask you to take this back to your seat and just to, to sit at your seat with that uh, for a few moments after you receive it. Because we want to take each element, the bread and the cup, we want to take them individually, but we also want to take them as a family and uh, want us to take them together as a family as a sign of unity. If you're at home, I want to encourage you, and we have a lot of people that are home today, I want to encourage if you're home to go ahead right now and uh, if you want to get uh, some juice or even some water and a cracker or a piece of bread to represent um, those elements, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that before we dive in. Another thing I want to let you know is that when, when Jesus gathered his disciples in that upper room that night before he died, um, it was the beginning of a renewed type of communion service. And it's really meant for those of us who have put our trust and our faith in Jesus. And so I just want to let you know, if you haven't come to that point yet, two options. One is, is it's just it's kind of one of the very small number of exclusive things that we do together as, as believers. But here's my challenge to you, is that today, as you're listening and watching and being a part of this service, why not make today the day that you receive Jesus as your Savior so that you can receive these elements with us as a church family? What an incredible testimony that would be. You know, this is a, a celebration of the Passover meal, and Jesus is in Jerusalem with his disciples. One of the things I love about the story of Jesus and his disciples that we may miss is that there, where were in Jerusalem people that would travel from all over the region to come to Jerusalem? And I don't know if you know this, but the, the Passover meal is the celebration of God uh, delivering the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, from the captivity of the Egyptians. And it was started... Uh, in Egypt, uh, probably around 1400 or so, 1500 or so, um, before Christ came into the world. And so I want you to capture that the meal that we're celebrating today 
when Jesus began to celebrate it with his disciples, when he had that meal in the upper room on that Passover, on the night before he was betrayed, on that night that he was betrayed, and, and on the night before he died for our sins, I want you to capture the fact that Jewish people had been coming around this table celebrating God's deliverance for 1,400 years. Isn't that incredible? That by that time, for about 14 or 1,500 years, they had already been celebrating this. Usually in the springtime is when the Passover celebration was. And they would come together to, to celebrate this together. And they had done it for about 14 or 1,500 years when Jesus and his disciples gathered in the upper room that night. And it's full of tradition. And each part of that Seder Supper has a specific and intentional meaning, and it points back to us remembering what God did. The Jewish people, of course, remembered that God had delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians, that he had opened up the Red Sea, that he had led them out of their captivity, and that they would be on their way to the promised land. Jesus came along, and in that first meal that he celebrated, the last meal that he celebrated with his disciples, he kind of changed not the meaning of it, but he renewed the meaning of it. He renewed the meaning of what it meant that God was going to deliver. What they didn't know and what he knew is that he was about ready as God's son to deliver them once more. He was about ready to go to that cross, and he was about ready to die on the cross and suffer in the way that we know that Jesus suffered so that our sins could be forgiven. And he instructs, as you'll hear later, he instructs his disciples and he instructs all of us, his followers, to do this in remembrance of me. Some of you might come from a tradition where communion is called the Eucharist or the Holy Eucharist. And I don't know about you, but there was always in my church, I, I don't know if you had this in your church growing up, there was a big table. Do you remember the big table? It was a big wooden table. And on the front of the one that they would serve from were the words, do this in remembrance of me. Because the word Eucharist, that word means to remember with thanksgiving or to give thanks. And so today as we come around this table and we receive these elements, this bread and this cup together as a church family, we are remembering with thanks what God did by delivering us from our sins, by giving us eternal life. Now, Jesus, as I said, renewed this meal. He did something that was very interesting. And by the way, Jesus left us with two ordinances. One is baptism, and one is this communion feast that we celebrate tonight. But it was interesting because there were a lot of different customs in that day and age in the Jewish culture, in the Hebrew culture. And one of them um, was hand-watching. Now, I want you to do this today. If you're at home, you can do this as well. Um, but I want you to, if you're driving, please don't do this, okay? So if you're listening and driving, don't do this. But if you're here in the house today, or if you're, you're at your own house today, I just want you to take your hands right now. And I just want you to wring them as if you were washing your hands, okay? We all got very familiar with this motion during COVID, didn't we? Right? Yeah. Some of you are like, all right, where's the sanitizer right now? I need the sanitizer. And there was a custom at the beginning of this Passover meal that whoever was leading that Passover meal, 
they would wash their hands. They would stand up and they would wash their hands and a servant would bring a basin and a servant would bring a pitcher and the servant had on them the cloak of a pitcher and they had on a towel and and the host would actually take that on and they would put that on and they would wash their hands. And it actually happened once at the beginning, and it would happen another time in the middle of the meal, and then there would, it would happen, in many cases, even a third time in the meal. And so before they had that meal, the host would wash their hands. And there was symbolism in that. And I want you to pick up on the symbolism of actually the hand washing. The hand washing was an indicator that the host was in charge. That the one who would be telling the stories about the tradition and about God's deliverance, that he was the one who was in charge. And so he would wash his hand to bring, the second thing that it did is it brought the attention onto him. And so in washing his hands, it was an indicator for everybody who was at the table that day or that night that the focus was now on him. The other thing that it did is it gave respect to the unleavened bread, and was also an indicator that the one who was leading was not just needed attention, but they also needed respect. And so in many ways, especially that first hand washing was something that would give the room an indication that the leader was the point of everything. I love that Jesus does something different. At this last supper that he's having with his disciples, the very last thing that he does with them, he starts it off not with a change of meaning, but with a renewed meaning, and he does something very interesting and very different. He participates in another tradition that was part of a host and a guest relationship. See, that, in that day and age, when, when a guest would come over to the house of someone who was Jewish, the first thing that would happen is the host would go up to that person and say, would you like a foot washing? The second tradition I want to talk about today. It would say, would you like your feet washed? Now, in that day and age, um, this was not like a, a middle schooler coming in and, you know, they, they got their Jordans uh, a little bit dirty. Everyone wore sandals. And they all had dust on their feet. And they had dirt on their feet. And they had picked up things that they had walked on on their feet. And the host would say, I'd be glad to have your feet washed except for this one little thing. At that moment in time, the host wouldn't wash their feet. The host would have a servant come and put on that towel. And put on that cloak of a servant. And they would take a basin. And they would take a pitcher. And they would lean down, and they would humbly wash the feet of someone who they probably didn't know. And you see, Jesus in that moment, instead of washing his own hands at the beginning of that meal, it says that he himself decided that he would take on the role, the outfit, the responsibility, and the rights Someone who is a slave. I want you to imagine with me for a moment 
those disciples, who, by the way, earlier in that week had been challenged, earlier in that week realized what was going on, earlier in that week realized there was something special about this week, and it probably wasn't going to be all good. And by the way, there were two of them that were fighting with each other, trying to prove who was the best, trying to prove who was the better follower of Jesus. And so Jesus, when he walked in that room, he looked around, and he probably saw a bunch of guys with dirty feet and prideful hearts, didn't he? But rather than calling up a servant, rather than calling for a slave, he himself knelt down and he did the work himself. And that's how it all got started. And today I want you to think about these words. I want you to think about what Jesus did, not changing the meaning, but renewing the meaning of the Eucharist. John 13, 1 through 5 says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, I want you to catch this next part. Having loved his own who were in the world, and what does it say here? He loved them to the what? The end. See, for Jesus, that word love meant serve. And he was about ready to demonstrate his service to them. He was about ready to show them the most humble of acts of service by washing their feet. But there was one more act of service, wasn't there? Service on the cross. He loved them to the end. I want to take a moment and say this. I love the excitement of a new year. We all do too, right? How many of you have been in the gym over the past few days for the first time in months, right? All right. There's a renewed spirit about the beginning of the year. Well, let's be honest. Some of you are carrying in pain, hurt, sin, maybe some stuff that you're embarrassed about that happened in 2022. Maybe even some stuff you're embarrassed about about the beginning of this year. I want you to know this. He loves you to the end. He loves you despite all of that. He loves you including all of that. He loves you because of all of that. He loves you to the end. He showed these disciples that that night. He was about ready to show the world that. But I want you to personalize it. He loved you to the end. The next verse says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. It's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he came from God and was going back to God, he rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking the towel, he tied that towel that represented a slave around his waist. He poured the water into the basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. He began to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around his waist. Jesus, in the very last thing that he would do with his closest people, the ones he knew the best, 
the ones that probably, let's be honest, irritated him the most in many ways, ones who challenged each other for position and power and money, what did he do with the people around him? He served them in his last act before he went to the cross. Today, as we come around this table and we receive these elements, I want you to think about the humble way in which Jesus served the world. I want you to think about not just the great price that you're going to hear from Josh in a few minutes that he paid, but I want you to think about the way that he served you and Christ followers. Let that sink in. And let us, as his people, respond from that place that he has served us so we should serve the world around us. I'm going to pray, and then our team is going to come back up, and they're going to sing a song. And during that song, I'm going to ask you to come forward to this table to receive those elements. You can take them back to your seat, and we will partake of each element together but it has individually each element together as a church family here in a moment. Father, I thank you for the fact that um, even in the meaning of the meal, even in those most intricate, complex, intentional aspects of that Seder Supper, you didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You didn't, you didn't come and, and flip that thing upside down. But God, you, you just renewed the meaning. You knew what they didn't know. And that was you were about ready to deliver the world from its sin. And Father, today as we come together and as we receive these elements, that's bread, that's just bread, but it represents your body that was broken for us. And it's a cup filled with juice, and it's just juice, but it represents your blood that was shed. Father, may we not forget the way in which you served us. That hand washing became a foot washing in that room that night. You, who were the, the host, became the servant. The rabbi and the teacher became the one who would serve the room. Father, may we not forget that that was just a picture of how you were about ready to serve the world when a few hours later you were falsely accused, falsely charged, sent to the cross, and willingly died for our sins. So Father, today, do we reflect on what you did in that upper room that night? May we remember that you were a servant. May that inspire those of us who are Christ followers to be a servant to those around us and the world around us. May we receive these elements with thoughtfulness, with grace, and humility and with thanksgiving for all that you did for us. I pray this in Jesus' name.